In this series, we are really trying to recapture the wonder of the birth of Jesus. We're not going to beat you over the head with things. We're going to instead elevate who Jesus is. And our hope is that you're able to have this wonder again. What if you could remember not just the nostalgia of your favorite Christmas past, but experience a new sense of joy? What if that could be the case? What if Christmas wasn't thrust on you by all the things and all the Christmas junk and all the music and everything, but instead you were captured by the true meaning of celebration that is Christmas? What if there was a deeper joy? Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. If you're new here, my name is Sam. I am the host. I'm the technical director here at the church, um, and I also do the podcast and a slew of other things. But um, I hope that you all had a good Thanksgiving weekend, um, and I hope that that you got some rest. um, And like it or not, we are now in December. Um, The year is almost over. And we are kicking off our Christmas series this week called In Wonder. This first, uh, first sermon is from Nathan called Paradox, about the paradox of Christmas. And rather than try to explain that to you, just listen to the message. It's coming up next. So um, here it is. Enjoy Nathan's message. I'll see you guys next week. Welcome, everybody. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. And I'm excited for Christmas. As soon as Thanksgiving's over, I'm one of those people. I am ready for Christmas. Are you ready for Christmas? Yes. Yes. The big snow hit. You remember when that, like, 10 inches came out of nowhere? Because it's Michigan. I mean, and it sparked in me right away. All of a sudden, that switch. I was like, Christmas spirit immediately. I decorated my office with Christmas lights. And now my TV in there has a fake fire going all the time. Like, I love Christmas so Hey, thanks, Steve. I love you guys. I love little Christmas trees. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And I, I even got my Christmas coffee. The whole yeah. Th- thank you. Um, and uh, I, Christmas coffee is the best. You know, it's it's a great. You know, the holiday. Okay. Hi, thanks, John. Oh, that's a big wreath. That's a really big wreath. So I went out and bought a sweater uh, for Christmas. And uh, this is a boa. This is not even. What is this thing? And um, yeah, but I, I got a Christmas sweater on, and and I really like Christmas. And um, okay, wow, um, get, that's a lot. What is that there? Those are lights. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, stop, 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 stop. That's enough. That's en- that's enough. Okay, that's enough. That's a bit much. Oh, Jared, 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 Jared. Oh, Jared. Do you ever feel a little overwhelmed by Christmas? Anyone else? Just me? Yeah. Oh, this is, thank you. This is like choking me. Oh, oh, man. Christmas is fun, but at times I, I could thank you. The wreath, that, we can keep this. This is nice. The wreath was a bit much. Yeah. Man, sometimes I feel like Christmas, it can be a little overwhelming. We get done with Thanksgiving, and even with this shorter year, it starts to overwhelm us. But I, I choose to, like, love all of it. I choose to kind of embrace it until it's, you know, wrapped around my neck. And what I truly love about Christmas is not any one of the things, not any one of the traditions or the stuff that we buy. It's not really that, but experiencing and capturing the wonder of Christmas, that awe-filled wonder. You know, kind of like the wonder of like, I wonder if everyone's going to make it to Christmas dinner, even my brother who's out of town. Or I wonder if you know, I'll see, this will be the last year that grandma and grandpa's there. Or will we have that special pecan pie again? It's amazing. Or uh, name your favorite food. What, what do you think of when you think Christmas? You're like, I gotta have this food. 
or gingerbread houses. I used to love making gingerbread houses and how they would sit out for like two weeks and you kept eating at them like bit by bit, which you really shouldn't do, but you just kept doing that. Like that's something I remember from my childhood. I wonder what presents I'll have. You know, you, you pick them. Are you a shaker? Are you, are you a shaker? Yes, yeah, some of you out there. You try to figure out what you're going to get or what, how many gifts you have. You wonder if it'll snow on Christmas Day, and then you hope it never snows again after that, which never happens. It's this wonder of Christmas Day. It's a wonder of what we're doing. It's almost magical, Christmas, a time when there's hope for the unexpected. Things that you don't expect to happen can. It's almost like we get to revel in the wonder and the mystery of Christmas. And I believe that all these things, we, we could easily like point to them and go, oh, I've heard sermons like this, don't do this, don't do that. It's too much, buying gifts, being busy, it all detracts, it's all sacrilegious or, or whatever. I, I've heard those sermons, but to me, I actually believe that most of these things used to be based or still are on this wonder Tools that are meant to communicate to us something deeper, to remind us every year that the most wonderful time of the year is really pointing to the most wonderful person who ever came to earth, and that we can experience that again and again. In this series, we are really trying to recapture the wonder of the birth of Jesus, we're not going to beat you over the head with things. We're going to instead elevate who Jesus is. And our hope is that you're able to have this wonder again. What if you could remember not just the nostalgia of your favorite Christmas past, but experience a new sense of joy? What if that could be the case? What if Christmas wasn't thrust on you by all the things and all the Christmas junk and all the music and everything, but instead you were captured by the true meaning of celebration that is Christmas. What if there was a deeper joy, a deeper wonder, that makes all of these little moments that we're about to experience mean so much more? And what if you're missing the true wonder of Christmas because you become a bit grumpy, a bit of a Grinch, a bit of a Scrooge? What if there's something more? And maybe it's different than you thought. Maybe the pathway to having a Christmas that's so full of awe and joy is different than you thought. And that's what we're going to talk about in this series. It's this improbable journey to Christmas. In the coming weeks, we're going to hear about the lineage of Jesus. And we picked out individuals who, under incredible circumstances, became part of Jesus' line. They're the grandparents of Jesus. And some of them... You would never pick them as your grandparents if you could in a hundred years. We'll explore them and find how Jesus chooses to use the improbable. We'll wonder at why God would choose them. And I'm hoping that it will inspire us to remember that God chose you. Chose you to be here. If it's your first time here, he chose for you to be here today to hear this. But if you've been here a million times, which is not possible because we haven't been open that long. But if you've been here forever... God chose you, and I want you to see yourself in wonder of who Jesus is. So everyone, just take a breath. Shake off everything that happened before you sat down here. The feeling in the back of all the worry about all the things you need to do before Christmas that you haven't got done yet. The frustrations of Thanksgiving and all the relationships. And some of you guys talked about the impeachment over the Thanksgiving Day table, which was a mistake. And, you know, you have all that. Just let that go. Let that go for a moment. And some of you need to shake off that Black Friday shopping spree you went on, which you shouldn't have done, right? You got to just let it go for a moment and refocus as we go into this new season 
of Christmas, the birth of Jesus, that's what we're celebrating this whole season, the birth of Jesus. And as we move towards Christmas Eve, as we move in that direction, by the way, you should plan on being there and you invite people to come too. It's going to be an incredible experience. As we move in that direction, we are celebrating the birth of a child because of what would happen when he grew up. We love celebrating Jesus' birth because it's a little bit ridiculous that the king of the universe would come as a baby, that he would choose to do that. We love babies, don't we? I mean, I love babies. We, I've had three of them so far, and hopefully that's it for now. But I love babies. I think they're cute. I love holding them. I don't like changing them or dealing with it, but I, they're so cute. Why? There's something about us. We have to, like, protect babies. They're, they're cute, and they're literal, and they're vulnerable. There's something primal inside of me every time I see something that, that is a baby, even if it's an animal like puppies. Um, cats, though, kittens, they don't. They're spawns of Satan. But, like, everything else, like, I want to protect it. And uh, there's a new Star Wars TV series that just came out, and it's about a, bo- a bounty hunter who's like Boba Fett from the original ones. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it doesn't matter. He's like a really cool, like, mercenary guy. But the breakaway hit from this series is Baby Yoda. No one knows really the name of it, but Baby, look at this thing. This thing is the cutest thing you've ever seen in your life. And it's, it's, it does the cutest things. Like, when you tell them, don't touch that, it touches it. It's like the perfect little baby child. And it's just sweeping the nation because it's so stinking cute, taking the world by storm, so much so that Disney wasn't even prepared for it because Disney didn't have any merchandise ready to go. They put like slapped it on top of t-shirts. You can tell they weren't ready for the overwhelming reaction of people because this baby was crazy. You know, and you might be saying like, oh man, you know, I'm over all of this stuff. I'm over all of the streaming services out there. There's Netflix and Hulu and on the Rukus and the Apple TVs and the Hulus and all the things out there. And you're just like, "Ah, I'm overwhelmed by it. But there's some things on there that are actually really, really good. So I encourage you to check it out. But this baby Yoda thing, it just grabbed me. This vulnerability and cuteness. And it would draw you in. If you saw it, even if you didn't know what was going on, you want to protect things that are innocent. And the concept that God, who is great and awesome, would choose to come in something, a package so vulnerable and powerless as a baby, is incredible. It doesn't make sense. Have you ever thought about that? How ridiculous. Something that shouldn't be, but is. The protector of the entire universe entering in and needing to be protected. I'm going to book in this entire series with this concept. Something unexpected. Something that shouldn't be but is. And on Christmas Eve, we'll talk about the birth of Jesus and what that means for us. And today, I want to talk about what happens when that baby grew up. In Luke, we see that the baby Jesus grew up to a man, and a man who did incredible things and eventually took the entirety of all of our sin and brokenness onto his shoulders, died on the cross, and set us free. And in Luke today, we're going to see the beginning of this story. In Luke 5 is where we're going to start. Let me story out a little bit of what happens. Jesus had just finished starting his ministry and doing incredible things, and people want to talk to him. So he's in a house talking, and people heard that Jesus is powerful. So a bunch of guys who have their friend who is completely paralyzed, they put him on a stretcher, and they run to find Jesus. But they can't get in. No one would let him in to see Jesus. Which, what kind of people do you have to be to not let a sick person into a person who can heal? Like, that's kind of rude. But they didn't care. They weren't going to be stopped. So they took him up onto the roof 
over where Jesus was preaching. Like, if we were in here, he, they'd be up there. And it was thatch, not metal. So the good news is they just, like, busted right through it. And they lowered this man down. Clearly, this man is paralyzed. And clearly, he is here to be healed. And Jesus saw their faith and says something completely unexpected. This paralyzed man is being lowered in. And what does he say? I see your faith. Your sins are forgiven. That doesn't make sense. That's not what he came for. But sometimes God gives us something more than we can imagine. I hope that you experience that today. But that's a part of the beauty of following Jesus, that he keeps surprising us. But he says, your sins are forgiven. And the people in the room, some of them are religious leaders. They know the law, and they get mad when he says that. They say, how dare you say that? Only God can forgive sins, and they think he's just a man. Who do you think you are, Jesus? They're thinking that in their mind, and, and Jesus knows that they're thinking that, and he turns to them. But, but they're under this understanding that sins can only be atoned for, only be paid for in part in the temple through sacrifice by priests with all these rituals and ceremonies and pomp and circumstance, all these things. That's the only way to deal with sin. And here is Jesus in the middle of this room just throwing out forgiveness to people. They're saying you are the wrong person in the wrong place doing it in the wrong way. Who are you? And I want to pick it up. Right here in verse 23. If you're following along in your Bibles, it'll be on your screen. I encourage you to read this entire book. We'll talk about that in this Christmas season. But this is what Jesus says. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man, which is him, has authority on earth to forgive sins. So, he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up. Take your mat and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been laying on, and went home praising God. Bang. He brings the power. He claims to be able to forgive sins, and he's like, well, is it easier for me to say, I'll forgive your sins, or is it easier to say, get up and walk? He says, but so that you know I can do what I just said, get up and walk, and he does it. He drops the mic. That's just like Jesus. If you know the stories of Jesus, he is the man. He drops bombs on people, both with power and what he says. He's an OG. He's the boss. He's dope sauce. He's prime. He's whatever you want to say. He is all those things and some more. Man, he is incredible. Can you imagine watching this happen, watching this man? And, and everybody knows who this man is. He's from around. They didn't doubt that he was paralyzed before. They knew that. When he gets up, gets up, picks up his mat, and goes home, they change. They saw a miracle in the most unexpected way, and they were affected by it. They were transformed by it. Why? Because when God moves, our emotions move with him. When God moves, our emotions move with him. When he shows up, it changes us. We are moved inside of our spirit how could they not when miracles happen? When miracles happen, how can we not be affected? How can we not be transformed? How can we not? But there are those who don't. And over the course of Jesus' ministry, we see that those Pharisees, the religious leaders, they, they are not affected by what Jesus do, does. They do not praise God. They become cynical, so cynical and angry. And they keep pointing to what Jesus is doing wrong. And this cycle of rage continues in cynicism. And it takes them to a dark 
and evil place where even if Jesus wasn't God, they, just, they still kill him. They kill another man. They plot to find out who this person is and find a way to kill him because it took him to an evil place. They let themselves become tools of the enemy Satan and kill Jesus. But that's a story for another time. What you need to take away is this. A critical spirit can ruin our wonder, can ruin our amazement. Skeptical, cynical people are vulnerable. I'm not saying there's everything totally wrong with being skeptical at all. But skeptical and cynical people are vulnerable to something incredibly terrible. Do you know what skeptical and cynical people are vulnerable to? Do you want to know what they're vulnerable to? Losing their curiosity. Losing their ability to ask why and to find out more. Sometimes when you're cynical all the time, you get to the point where you think you know everything and you lose your curiosity. You lose your ability to be surprised and you lose your wonder. And wonder is crucial to who we are as humans. The mystery of what God does inside of us, it's crucial that we don't lose that. If nothing can surprise you, then nothing can cause you wonder. A critical spirit and a cynical spirit can take you too far It can take you to a place of arrogance, that you have the world figured out. And guess what? The Pharisees thought that they had it figured out, and they killed the Savior of the world. They couldn't have been more wrong. And in the moment, they missed the mystery and the wonder of Jesus. Instead of celebrating that God had finally shown up after 400 years, all they could do was think about how to eliminate this threat to the way they understood the world because they had stopped being curious. When we let mystery live on in our lives, so does our potential to experience that feeling of wonder. And when we live in wonder, our intellect is used for glory and power. That thing that maybe we hold on to and we're super cynical, when we live in wonder, that thing is used by God to show how glorious he is. So let's continue on and what happens next. 526. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. This is good. Everyone was struck with amazement or amazed. The author uses the exact same word to talk about Pentecost, where later when Jesus dies, rises again, sends his Holy Spirit, and then Peter gets up and speaks, and everybody's speaking in different tongues. People are like, what the heck is going on? That's the same word, amazement. Is what Jesus has done in the past amazing you? Is it striking to you when you read stories about Jesus? Does it make you go, oh my gosh, what is going on here? Or have we let the Bible become boring, mundane? Have we let the familiar turn into something that we can just ignore? Have we let it become boring? Have we let people's lives around us who have experienced new life, have we let their stories lose the effect on us? What if Jesus has put amazing things in front of all of us, but because we have lost our wonder, we don't see it, and we're missing out on amazement? But they weren't. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. 
Thanksgiving is a great time because it explains a little bit of what it means to be grateful to God and to praise God. See, often when we see something happen, we experience inside of our heart gratitude, say like, I'm so grateful I saw this, or I'm so grateful this happens to me. But if we don't express that out of our mouth or in action, it just stays in our heart and it stays personal and alone. But when we express it, that's what Thanksgiving is. See, Thanksgiving doesn't occur unless it comes out your mouth or it comes out in actions and so that's why it's important why Thanksgiving is there, so we can thank God for who he is, but also so that we can worship him. And so when we finish at the end of our gathering today, and it's time to worship, let gratitude well forth, because that's appropriate. And then it says they were filled with awe. Awe. Isn't that what we want for our children and for ourselves at Christmas, to be filled with awe? Do you guys love to, let, that, have you ever seen a child when they like go, you know, that feeling, that is a good feeling when you bought them that gift, doesn't it? It's a good feeling. It's a good thing. We want them to experience wonder. And I remember when I, had, when I was little, I had this gaming system in fifth grade that I wanted. It filled me with awe and wonder. It was almost like this package was about this size, like an N64. Did anyone get an N64? And you could kind of tell that you were going to get it by the way the package looked, and you were excited about it. And, and you were just like, yes, I get to play a Star Wars game on this. This is cool, and it's 3D. But stuff doesn't do that for me anymore, does it? Like, who here experienced the same kind of giddy joy over stuff that you do when you're a kid? Nobody. I mean, the only way, like, I mean, some of you do. Praise God for you. I think the only way you could get me really excited is if someone dropped the Tesla truck right outside the cyber truck. Outside my, I love that thing. I have found that people here think it's awesome or awful. Anyone in here think it's awful? You can raise your hand. It's okay. You're wrong. It's all right. I think it's amazing. Maybe, maybe I'd be full of awe, but I've never recaptured the awe of things that I felt when I was a kid. Have you? But I have recaptured that feeling of awe in this church. The real inspiration of Christmas is what Jesus did for us. The gifts we give to people is only a reflection of the gift that God gave to us. And that's not something that we have to stop experiencing. See, I experience the awe and wonder when God shows up in your life. It fills me with awe and wonder, the gift of Jesus. Then they say something interesting. We have seen remarkable things today. And this is the phrase of the entire series. I have seen Remarkable things today as we encountered God and filled with awe. I want to camp on one word in this phrase. It's not often that I believe a translation of the original language has missed the mark or failed to completely grasp the enormity of a word, but remarkable, right here, is one of these words. Remarkable. Remarkable sounds cool. Maybe it's changed, but remarkable doesn't capture when you dive into what that word means, the fullness of it. See, the, the phrase could be better said this, we have seen something paradoxical today. I know that doesn't sound as cool as remarkable, and it doesn't flow off the tongue very well, but the word there is paradoxa, which is what we base our word paradox off of. Human effort could not achieve what had just happened. It was not possible. See, people can be remarkable, but people can't do what's impossible. And what had happened was not possible. It was something that was borderline absurd. And a paradox, the word we have based off of this word, 
today is defined as something that is seemingly absurd, self-contradictory statement or proposition that when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or true, something that shouldn't be but is. Jesus. Jesus is a paradox. He's a paradox. He is something that seemingly is absurd, but is true. And that is why it's so hard to choose him at time, but why he creates in us so much wonder that we are left just dwelling on the enormity of what we can't understand, the mystery of who Jesus is. The paradox of Jesus is that someone who shouldn't be powerful is. Someone who shouldn't be able to be fully God and fully man is. Someone who shouldn't be able to forgive sins can and does. It seemingly makes no sense, but in fact makes all the sense in the world. That the God of the universe would come down to a world that had rejected him, that they would come down and they already said, no, I've had enough of you, but God came anyway. That he would become a man, that he would become vulnerable as a baby, born in a feeding trough in the dirtiest environment you can imagine, and that he would seek us out? It doesn't make sense. It was the only way to redeem a world that he loved. Jesus being the only way is something that seems, on the surface, has a paradox or something that isn't true, but, but when you go into it and you explore the mystery of who God is, you realize it's completely spot on. See, Jesus is, was, and will be always bigger than what we think about him, than our ideas about him. He filled people with wonder. And if you are wanting the wonder to be back in your life, he can fill your life with wonder too. Whether you've known him for years or you just walked in here, the wonder of a savior that I hope every one of you experience, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That someone would give their son's life for another. The paradox of Jesus invites us to experience wonder. To experience something different. See, everything points to Jesus in the end. Who he is should make us stop in awe. Should stop us in our tracks for just a moment in awe of what he has done. And if that was it, that would be incredible. But it's different. See, the paradox extends to us. Something that doesn't make sense does. And I'll explain to this. And some of you are going to understand this because you've been a Christian for a while. I'll start saying some of these phrases, and you're like, oh, yeah, that doesn't really make sense. And we are invited to some kind of mystery that's something different. That really, really we're people of paradox. We're people of paradoxa. That things that are apparently contradictions actually reveal profound truth. This, some of these I got from Dr. Michael Youssef, who's a, who's a pastor, but you'll start to hear them for yourselves. But listen, as Christians, we see the unseen. We can only conquer our brokenness. We can only conquer by yielding control. That there is only rest under the yoke of Jesus Christ. That there's only power in servitude. 
That we can only be exalted by humbling ourselves. That we can only be wise by being fools for Jesus. That we can only become free by becoming bondservants. That we can only possess all things by having nothing. That we can only get by giving. That we can only be strong when we become weak. That we can only triumph in surrender. And that we can only truly live by dying. The paradox of Jesus something that we live every day and should cause us to wonder that we get to participate in it, that we get to hope in something greater. The paradox is that God would use such simple people as us on an improbable journey to Christmas. As we explore this, we're going to learn that people who look just like us are the people that God used to bring Jesus into the world And your journey towards Christmas might seem improbable right now. You might be like, look, you don't understand. You don't understand. My journey towards Christmas, you don't even understand. Is it the first or second or maybe even third holiday without my loved one? And you don't understand. This is not the most wonderful time of the year. This is the most hard time of the year for me. And I know. I understand. When everyone seems to be excited, you might be just saying, that is not me. And maybe when I talk about all this Christmas stuff and you call it junk because to you it just seems so shallow. And I get that. What I'm not saying is you have to go out and buy a sweater that looks like mine and be an idiot. (laughs) No. What I'm saying is don't let the things that point to something deeper keep you from going somewhere deeper to the place where God can meet you. And if you're hurting this year, God can still meet you and give you wonder, wonder in who he is. Paradoxes, they either cause us to doubt or they create a curiosity that leads to wonder. And wonder is truly one of the most wonderful things that you can experience in this world. I want to tell you a little bit about that. A woman came to our church in the spring to a picnic The first time here uh, was full of frustration for them. They had a really terrible history with the church, with every kind of church you can imagine. They all were doing things that were wrong, and our spring picnic was a bit muddy if you were there. And so that was another frustration, and she didn't want to be there. And they had years and years, and she had years of anger at the church, and, and she just didn't like it there. And she would tell you herself and told me today on the phone that she is a difficult person to deal with. But because we're a place where you belong, and because you guys embody that, something changed, and she kept coming. Now, nothing should have changed her. Her life had been lived. Her course was set. But two Sundays ago, she got baptized. Something unexpected and absurd happened. That's pretty incredible. I think so. She's in a wheelchair. She was our, uh, our first roll-up baptism, not walk-up baptism. And, and it was amazing to see her, her courage and her boldness. See, we encounter Jesus, something wonderful happens. And I hope that that wonder captures you, that no matter where you're at in your life, no matter what experience you've been through, the body of Christ, but more importantly, Jesus Christ himself is pursuing you and loving you and wants you to help, help you understand that you belong. Because when we encounter Jesus, something absolutely mind-boggling happens. It's almost paradoxical. It's time to let Christmas lead us to wonder. And that's what I'm inviting you to. To let the packages remind us that a true gift didn't come in shiny paper, but in a bundle of rags. 
to let the wonder and beauty of nostalgia not be an end in themselves, but drive us deeper to something more real. Let us participate in the generosity of a king who would send us incredible things, but also Jesus. So I want to challenge you. Now what? I want to give you some real practical steps because today, like today, is still November. December starts tomorrow. And so as we run towards Christmas, because it's always a run or a stumble or a falling down the hill, we all arrived at Christmas at some point, I want us to be intentional. I want us to set ourselves up for something incredible. And I want every one of you to be here Christmas Eve so that we can book into this experience and this journey as God transforms you on the way. But let's do some things on the way. So I'm going to challenge every one of you first to read all of Luke this next month to remind yourself of what Jesus has done. That's what it says up there. Read all of Luke. You can read it in one sitting. I promise you. It's not that hard. Get it in the New Living Translation if it helps. That Just read it. Read all of it. Read how the beginning to the end, there's this plan of what Jesus is doing. But read it as if you've never read it before. Let the questions and the curiosity rise. Let yourself ask the hard questions. Let's see what God can do. And then I want you to participate in generosity of God by being generous to others. Number two, there's a lot of ways you can do this. I want to give you some practical ways. But, but this is the season of giving, and there is a reason for it. It's not just this social obligation. It's meant to reflect the gift of God. And so what I'd love you to do is become generous in this season. One, you can do this by the Compassion Dinner. We have some families in need in our community, and we have some things that you can purchase for them, but also like participate with them, have dinner with them, and be a family together. I think it's an incredible experience. You can sign up for that or some of the other things that we're doing so that you can be generous to those who are in need. And those are just some of the things we're doing. There are things beyond that. Become generous. Participate in this gift-giving you can become generous with your time and visit a family member that you don't want to or a coworker who knows alone but is really difficult to deal with. Love on them. Show them what it means to encounter God by being Jesus for them. Third, I want you to consider giving a year-end gift to Life Church. This has been a tradition of here that people have been giving at the end of the year, and I want you to be part of that. Maybe you've heard that phrase, it's better to give than receive. Or maybe it's time to experience that paradox. You know what I mean? Because that's kind of paradox. Really, is it really better to give than it is to receive? And you can only understand if that's true if you experience it. Now, someone who's skeptical would say no, but a curious person would take a chance on wonder. And so I encourage you this season to make a year-end gift to Life Church and see what God can do. God is amazing, and he's moving, and I love this place, and I wonder every day at what God is doing here, the stories that I could tell you if we could sit down and just about God showing up again and again. It creates so much wonder in my heart, and I want you to be part of that, to participate in the miracles that happen here every day. And then finally, I think this is a great one, and it's a tradition that you may have heard of, and you may even do this, so you can modify it in any way you want, but Keep yourself focused on what is going on by reading the birth story of Jesus before Christmas dinner or before decorating the tree if you haven't done that or before you open presents or whatever tradition. Just read the Christmas story and allow yourself 
to focus on that. Now, I have little children, so we used to do presents growing up, but now that my children have to sit there looking at the presents and try to read the Christmas story, it does not work. So we'll be doing it at a different time just so that they can focus. But remember what God is doing and allow the Christmas season to send you deeper into the wonder of God's gift of Jesus. I want to read this part of the passage one more time as we finish. But what happened when people saw God show up and forgive sins and heal someone? was this, everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Will you stand with me? The most remarkable thing is not just the birth of Jesus, but what that meant, that the coming of a Savior would one day die. This Christmas season, we want you to experience him. For some of you in the room, you may need to choose to follow Jesus for the very first time, to accept that he did come for you, that he did die for you, but that he wants to lead you somewhere new. The wonder that God would choose you, that would know you by name. The one who created everything would know you by name, and that he wants to restore relationship with you through Jesus Christ. He does that by you having a conversation with him, accepting that, and then choosing to walk in a different way and follow him. The gift is free. The journey is incredible, but it takes you choosing it. And so I want you to choose that today, and you can do that by talking to God, and I'd love to lead you through that. For some of you, use this moment as I lead those who want to accept this for the very first time to, in your mind, remind yourself of why we celebrate Christmas. Let this be a reimagining, a reminding yourself of the goodness of God. Let's close our eyes. You can bow your heads. Some of you can open your hands if you want to. Just pray this moment more than anything that the presence of God would fall and that his spirit would be felt. Because the wonder of Christmas comes from God. So I pray your presence would communicate to us right now for those who want to follow Jesus make this conversation yours make this moment yours you repeat out loud or in your heart make this between you and God God I am broken God I need someone to rescue me and I believe you sent Jesus to do just that that he was fully God and fully man and that he took my sins on his shoulders and that he died and he paid my debt, my debt from the past, from today and the future. And now if I choose to follow him, that I'll spend the rest of my life and into eternity with him, that I'll experience a new life, that I'll experience new power, new joy and new healing. So today I choose to follow. I choose to follow him to the best of my ability with his help for the rest of my days. Thank you, God, for the gift. And I will always be in awe and wonder that you would choose me. Thanks so much for listening. 
If you want to find out more information about Life Church Canton or other churches in the Life Church Network, text I'm New to 734 349 3475 or fill out the form linked in the show notes below and someone from the church will reach out to you with more information. If you came to Life Church for the first time this past weekend, we would love to know about it. We believe that life isn't meant to be lived in isolation, but we want to connect with you and learn to live like Jesus in community together. If you want to email the show, you can do that at podcast at lifechurchcanton.org. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're enjoying it, please share it with a friend and leave us a review. Once again, my name is Sam Parham, and you've been listening to the Life Church Canton podcast. Have a great week, everybody.